all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is, is all, all bad, bad things. things. Welcome, Welcome, everybody. everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Follow uh, our, join our Discord and our Facebook discussion group. And we, let's see, probably by the time this comes out, we'll still be accepting questions for our Ask Us Anything sure. episode. We've gotten a few real good ones, so uh, no press, but... Uh, get them in. <laughs> no brush. No brush. <laughs> uh, should we explain why we joint introed? <laughs> yes. We haven't decided who's going to be reading this week's episode. Yeah, so we're going to rock, paper, scissors for it. Yes. Um, is it whoever wins does narrate or whoever wins doesn't narrate? I guess whoever wins chooses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do that now? Sure. Yeah. All right. Ready? One, rock, two, paper, three. Scissors. Shoot. Oh, rock, I won. Rock, scissors. Are we doing two out of three? You do two out of three with rock, okay, paper, scissors. Okay, we can do two yeah. out of three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, oh, scissors okay. beat paper. So we're tied. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh! Paper beats rock. So what are you choosing? Which, which makes no sense. But <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I'll read. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Do you want to eat any? Well, here, you get to pick the script then, face down. <laughs> so. All right. But I'll don't just, reveal it yet. You'll pick I'll that one. I'll go with this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, these these are all track. listener scripts, by the way. We yes. Are, we are getting through. We're, we we see the end of the um the end of the light. We can see the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yes. The end of Not the that line. we don't want you to stop sending no. us listener scripts, but we had a we had quite a huge pile of them mm-hmm. stacked up. We've pretty much for through. pretty much for tax season purposes. These three are all air disasters, so That's we'll fine. spread them out so it was uh, done equitably by blind choice. Yes. <laughs> But should we talk about our yummy beer? Yes, we should. Yes. What you drinking? I am having Bombshell's Mango and Fuego IPA, and it is delicious. I have not had this in a while. I haven't, yes. I haven't seen it in a while. It's out of uh, Holly Springs. Yes, Holly one Springs, our, NC, one yes. of our suburbs. Yes, it is good. It is very good. It, it tastes. I don't taste a ton of spice in it. It's got a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I am having one of my favorite seasonals, uh, Catawba Brewing's Peanut Butter Jelly Time. Yes, it's really good. If peanut butter and jelly were a beer, it would be, it'd that. be great. Did you know, apparently, and this is according to BuzzFeed, <laughs> so take that for what it is. Apparently, like, peanut butter and jelly is a very American thing, and a lot of other countries look at us like, what the fuck? Like, they don't get it and don't think it's good. Yeah, but other countries have Vegemite. <laughs> that's a definite like what the fuck fair enough every culture has its own like weird thing but i i don't know I, it, it looks like a, it i don't it looks like it's like a a scrap paste. heap of like dried prunes and paste and it's just like because eh. <laughs> they have it at world market remember we've, had we've it. seen it i yeah. got i have i still have Did a I little try jar. some i forget if it was vegemite or marmite oh I think it's you one got, of the mites yeah one of the mites um but I was told, and it's true, 
use extremely sparingly, like tiny, tiny little bits, like on buttered toast. And it's true that a little goes a very long way, but I did find it, I did find it pretty okay in very small quantities. I don't remember if I tried it or not. I don't know if you did. Yeah. I think you smelled it and that decided like, against it. Like one of the cats, I was like, eh. <laughs> no. No. But, uh, no, this is one of my favorite seasonal beers, this, and uh, Brew Prince Coconut Lime Sour, which mm-hmm. we had last week, we which did. is really nice. Um, uh, the, and they come out around the same time of the year, like uh, late spring, early summer, so. <sighs> yeah, this is really good, too. Yeah, it is. Enjoyed this. And mm-hmm. this is day one of the Carolina Hurricanes oh, off-season. yeah. So they were eliminated. We didn't even talk about this last night or today. So yeah. No, because there was nothing to talk about. Yeah, they got, they got <laughs> they eliminated. Got, they got shut out and eliminated. Four to one, right? Was mm-hmm. the t- series total? Yep, yeah, they won one game. But yeah. the but what four? Yeah, four of the five games were one goal games. So yeah, a couple of bounces here and there, which is really all it was. Yeah. Yeah, could have gone the other way, but Tampa Bay they're the they're the defending champions for a reason, yeah. and they showed it. So, but. It's a bummer, but mm-hmm. really, this is the first time, I mean, even since they were the Hartford franchise. <clears throat> so the Carolina Hurricanes started out as the Hartford Whalers right. in the NHL in 1979. In the NHL? Yes. They were the New England Whalers in the World Hockey Association from 72 to 78. Wow. Uh, WHA, yeah, wow. <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a, ri- it was meant to be a rival league to the NHL when okay. it was formed, and that's that's actually where Wayne Gretzky made his professional debut was for the Indianapolis Racers, I think was the team. Oh. Well, that's so, yes. a very appropriate name for. Yeah, so Wayne Gretzky never won the NHL Rookie of the Year award because he was technically uh, not a okay. not a rookie when he made it. By the time he got not to the wookie. NHL, oh. not a rookie. <laughs> but this is really so 1979. So we're talking 42 years mm-hmm. of this franchise. They've never really had any expectation other than being a bad team. Mm. So this is the really the first time in the history of the franchise that they have expectations, on legitimate them. expectations, and not just around here from mm-hmm. from the national press too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had picked. Well, not a lot. I would say half of the writers that I listened to picked Carolina to make it to the final. Really. So, so this is the first time really in the history of their franchise they've dealt with high expectations. Mm-hmm. They won one playoff series. Yeah, they did. That's a start. They've won. Pl- they've won at least one playoff series for three straight seasons. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where it goes. Also, next season will be like the first normal season in, where in expectations are high. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So they'll have a longer runway. Yes. On everything. So it's a it's a bummer. Um, I did at least get to go to two games. You had to see one of each series mm-hmm. that they played in. Yeah. So. so you saw a win and you saw a loss. I right? did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it was fun. I mean, we are going to lose some good players, unfortunately, most likely. Who do you think's most likely to go? I I highly doubt they're going to be able to sign Dougie. Dougie really? Hamilton. Oh, that's too bad. I like. He's going to be. He will command nine, ten million a year. Wow. And I'm not sure if that's a wise investment. I'm really not mm-hmm. sure. We still have Aho. Yeah, he's not going. We anywhere. still have Svetch. Uh, he will be a restricted free agent um, this offseason, which means any team can offer him a contract, uh-huh. and the Hurricanes have a chance to match. Okay. It's the same thing that happened to Ajo two years ago. Okay. Um, teams will make an offer on him, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think and I, needs... I doubt we're going to let him go. I think he and Ajo, 
If I mean, <sighs> my opinion, if you could only keep two players in the entire squad, those guys are at the top of the list. Like mm, for me, it'd be really? Aho, for me, it'd be Aho and Slavin. Slavin, okay, mm-hmm. but still, like I feel like because Sveshnikov was drafted by the Kings, mm-hmm. right? I feel like he's so a franchise. Aho. I feel like he's a franchise guy, as in like he's the guy well, they got to play for you for the, his whole career. They've got a, a couple of them: uh, Slavin, Pesci, Aho. But if I had to pick Aho versus Svech, I'd pick Aho. Yes, yeah, he's I the better player. But he's he's a couple years older. He's a little older. Um, I just like him. I just like his little <laughs> his little way of talking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he he's uh, I think he had eleven points in eleven games or twelve points. Nice. So he's averaged a point per game throughout his regular season and playoff career. So that's pretty steady. I I also gotta say. Um, I liked Nadelkovich a hell of a lot more than I liked Mrazik. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Mrazik and, and Reimer were probably going to lose both of those guys because mm. they're both free agents. So mm. Rod, though, they got to keep him. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. They're keeping Brindamore. If they can keep, the way I see it, if they can keep six players for the next six, seven seasons, mm-hmm. they'll they'll win keep at least one core. cup. Yeah, if they can keep Aho, Svech, Taravainen. Slavin. Slavin, Pesci, and Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. If they can keep those six guys. Well, what about Nina, Nina, Rainer? Uh, he's probably gone at the end of the season, Aww, too. Oh, I loved I his little name. Yeah. Nina, Nina, Rainer. I think he's he's either an RFA or, or UFA. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's a UFA, which means un, unrestricted. Right. Um, but if they can keep those six guys, five of those six are all draft picks of theirs. Mm-hmm. Terravine is the only one that's not. Um. But if they can keep those six players together, they'll win at least one. They'll get one cup. I wonder if anybody is listening to this episode as their first episode, and they're like, like what wait, this is hockey talk? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and that was NHL corner. <laughs> you know, it, it should have been, um, <laughs> what's his name, Hockenpah? Yes, Yanni Hockenpah. Yanni Hockenpah should start a podcast called Hockenpah Hockey Talk. Or <laughs> Hawkin pucks. Hawkin pucks. There we go. <laughs> Talking hawkin pucks. Talking hawkin pucks. <laughs> so, so now that we've had the fun, now that we've done NHL corner and yes. and beer corner, mm-hmm. it is on to not so fun. You mean the show? Yes. <laughs> yes. For so any, for we... for anybody who's listening for the first time, this is when it gets not fun. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder. We put it off as long as we could. So I wonder if you're going to stay tuned or not. Mm. Probably not. So this is a script from uh, Kristen. Did I read that right? Uh, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. No, this is a reminder. Hi, Kristen. This is a reminder for me to get you a script. Oh, okay. (laughs) Which I haven't done. I'm so sorry. No, the name is written... Yeah, okay. uh, Bethany. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, is... and Ash also suggested it. Okay. But yes, this is a script by Bethany. This is a script by Bethany, which was also a topic suggested by Ash. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Bethany does go by she, her. Yes. Um, so this is Alaska Airlines Flight 261, and mm. she has in parentheses, not good. <laughs> All right, then we've been warned. Not as, not as if any of our airline disasters have ever been good. We've had some miracle sods. We have. So yes. that's, yeah. But still, even in those miracle sods, uh, people have perished. So... Y- yes, yes, some of them, not all of them, not like all of the them. Miracle on the Hudson. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's died. true. That's right. We did do that. We yeah. did do that one. Um, I feel like there's been more than that, but maybe not. 
Uh, Vesna Velovich, but she was the only she survivor. She was the only one, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Bethany writes in here, As a side note, this disaster came to my view a few years ago when visiting my husband's grandfather's grave. Mm. One of the families who perished in this disaster are buried in the same cemetery. Mm. Although it wasn't technically a local disaster, it did impact the Seattle area greatly. Interesting. Well, if it's Alaskan air, sure. it's kind of that that region, mm-hmm. North Pacific Northwest. Even though I believe like Washington is miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away from Alaska, because it is. But as far as like a big hub city, it's like the closest I'm sure to it in the states. I would think I would think that in Vancouver in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure planes fly from Alaska to SeaTac mm-hmm. um, all the time. Yeah. I think that's the name of their airport. Yeah, Yeah, Seattle, Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Um, So Alaska Airlines Flight 261 was a scheduled international passenger flight. Okay, from Licenciado Gustavo Diaz Ordaz (laughs) International Airport (laughs) in Puerto Vallarta. I didn't know how to say that one. Okay. Jalisco, Mexico to Seattle, Tacoma, often called SeaTac, which is also the name of the suburb of Seattle where the airport is located. International Airport in Seattle, Washington, with an immediate stop at San Francisco International Airport in San Francisco, California. So this was making two different stops. Okay, so it was going from uh, Puerto Vallarta to San Francisco, then on to Seattle. To Seattle, yes. Yes, correct. Uh, Obviously, we we don't read our listener scripts ahead of time. Free read? What's that? We're professionals. In case anybody has not picked up on that by now. So the aircraft operating the route was a McDonnell Douglas MD-83, part of the MD-80 family. Uh, The MD-83 is a single-aisle, five-abreast coach seating aircraft, 148 feet or 45.1 meters long. I love that our listeners know to include (laughs) it. I know, right? To seat 155 passengers in coach. This specific aircraft was manufactured and delivered new to Alaska Airlines in 1992 and had logged 26,584 flight hours and 14,315 cycles before the crash. So it wasn't a huge plane, 155, with in a single aisle, mm-hmm. five abreast, that means like two on one side, three, three on, on the other? Three on the other, yep. Yeah. A flight cycle means the operation of an engine from the time an aircraft leaves the ground oh, okay. until it touches the ground at the end of a flight. Okay. An aborted takeoff or a touch-and-go landing is also considered as a flight cycle. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The pilots of Flight 261 were both highly experienced aviators. Captain Edward Ted Thompson, 53, had accrued 17,750 flight hours and had more than 4,000 hours experience flying MD-80s. First Officer William Bill Tansky, 57, so both guys in their 50s. Probably approaching retirement, mm-hmm. huh? Had accumulated 8,140 total flight hours, including about 8,060 hours as First Officer in MD-80 aircrafts. I have a total aside. Why do some people named Edward go by Ted? I don't know. Because, yeah, Ted Because Ted, Ken- Ted Kennedy was right? the same, and he was Edward Kennedy. Isn't it Ed? Yeah. I, Ed, Eddie. Why are you Ted? It's Where's like, the it, T it's, come it's from? Like people, people don't, I don't think people named Richard do this anymore. Oh, good. But there was a time when people Dick. named Richard went by Dick, and I'm like, yep. first of all, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> Second of all, how do you get Dick out of Richard? <laughs> right. Well, I guess Rick... <laughs> That Richard, makes a little Rich, more Rick, sense because a because a ch can make a, a yes, k sound, uh-huh. so that kind of makes sense. Not complete, but, but then all of a sudden to change the letter and then make it sound like a penis. Yeah, yeah it's all very odd. Yeah, 
I, I do have an Uncle Dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I'm just like, why? Like, I've always wanted know. to ask him, like, like, why don't you just go by Richard or Rich or Rich. Richie? Yeah, uh-huh. All of those are... <laughs> of those or are, Rick or Ricky. All of those are better than Dick. Uh-huh. Or Richard. Some people go by just Richard, their full name. I don't know. Maybe it was like a 50s like masculine thing to be named Dick. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't mean what it means now in the English vernacular. Oh, it's always meant that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Like, 70 years ago? Maybe not. There were brothels 70 years ago. Well, I understand (laughs) that, but... (sighs) Proceed. Yes. (laughs) Before we go down a path. With Ted. With Ted. Edward Ted. Uh, Okay. Where did I leave? Okay. Neither pilot had been involved in an accident or incident prior to the crash. None at all. Even with that many flight hours. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Without 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 incident? Seems like it. I mean I don't know what's normal, but as a side note, a commercial pilot on average accumulates seventy five flight hours in a month. Okay. Meaning seventeen thousand amounts to about twenty years in eight K in eight thousand almost nine years. There were three Seattle based flight attendants on board as well. The three flight attendants and 47 of the passengers on board the plane were bound for Seattle. 32 passengers were traveling to San Francisco, three were bound for Eugene, Oregon, and three passengers were headed for Fairbanks, Alaska. Mm. Of the passengers, one was Mexican and one was British, with all the others being American citizens. Okay. That's interesting. It took off from Mexico. It must have been and almost only, exclusively tourists. That's, yeah. I had to have been. From well, Mexico. yeah, they're coming, they were coming from Puerto Vallarta, so I know that that's is a big a, that tourist is a spot. That is a vacation destination. Yeah, so that yeah. makes sense. At least 35 occupants of Flight 261 were connected in some manner with Alaska Airlines or its sister carrier, Horizon Air, hmm. including 12 actual employees. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So there were employees on board as uh-huh. passengers. passengers. Uh-huh. So timeline format for flights. So 1337 Pacific Standard Time, which would be uh, 137. p.m. Mm-hmm. Flight departs Puerto Vallarta's... Okay, here we go again. Oh, good. It's Spanish, right? <laughs> Licen- licenciado. How do you? Yeah, right down. See. Right down here. Uh, licenciado. 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 Gustavo Diaz Ordaz International Airport. Yeah, you said it much better. I'll just have licenciado. you. Licenciado. I would think because I don't think that that's, that would be a hard C like Cuba. Licenciado. Licenciado Gustavo Diaz. Yeah, I'm gonna have you read that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it departed at 1.37 Pacific Standard Time, climbed to its intended cruising altitude of flight level 310, or 31,000 mm-hmm. feet, 9,400 meters. Okay. Scheduled to land at San Francisco Airport at 15.49, which would be... Yep. Sometime before this, the flight crew contacted the airline's dispatch and maintenance facilities at Los Angeles International Airport, LAX. Huh. Uh-huh. To discuss a jammed horizontal stabilizer. Ooh. Ooh, we've we've oh no. We've covered stabilizers. That's not fucking yeah. good. It's called a stabilizer for a reason, by the way. <laughs> it's the little flaps, right? No, it's the center. I think it's the center. Well, there's uh, vertical and there's horizontal stabilizers. I forget which are which. Okay. It's when that when you're having problems with that, what we do know <laughs> is that that's Dang not good. good. So, uh, it was having problems with a jammed horizontal stabilizer and a possible diversion to LAX was considered. Okay, that's why they were even contacting mm-hmm. LA. The jam, and if you're having one of those, I would I would think your first instinct as a pilot was, we, we need to get on the ground now. Well, that's why they're, yeah, yeah they're talking about bailing, basically. Not literally. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not literally. 
The jam stabilizer prevented operation of the trim system. Yes. Okay. Oh, which would I remember normally hearing about the trim mm-hmm, system. Which would normally make slight adjustments to the flight control surface, surfaces to keep the plane stable in flight. So these this is all part of the stability system. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. At their cruising altitude and speed, the position of the jam stabilizer required the pilots to pull on their yokes. Uh, that's the the steering wheel thingy that pulls uh, in and out. Yep. Control wheel slash control column. With approximately 10 pounds of force to keep level, that's, yeah, that's hard. That seems like a lot. Yes. Uh, so, so they were like... Ugh. The only thing I can... Because I've had I had to do this when I worked for a, a car dealership before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've never driven a car that didn't oh, have... That didn't have power uh, steering, it's... Uh, it's... Like, because obviously you and I grew up in a world where every car has power power steering. steering, But the first time I had to drive a, and this was like a 50s, it was a Mercury Cougar, I think. Like a classic car type of thing, yeah. I was so fucking scared for, because first of all, I'm like, I don't want to break it. It's it's literally the the owner of the company's, one of his... Personal vehicles. Collection. No, it's one of his collection. collection, Yes. And I didn't know how to start it because, like, it... A what car, how did it start? What did they do? It was the it was the three on the tree thing. Uh-huh. Like I didn't know how to fucking like I was I was like I don't know how, how to drive know? this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but once I finally got it going, and literally all I had to do was drive it like down the road to a, a like right. a show lot, and trying to turn, I was just like, what the fuck? I'm like, how? I'm like, how did people drive did cars? Did it feel like it was just like felt hitting like, resistance? Yes, and it felt like driving a boat. Because oh. steering wheels nowadays, the steering wheel has all kinds of stuff on the inside of the wheel. Mm-hmm. This was literally just a wheel. Oh, like there was there was nothing in the middle, like <laughs> nothing. It was just uh-huh. yeah, yeah. The fifties sucked. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I was alive for any of it. <laughs> Everybody but middle-aged white men of the fifties would agree with you. That's true. Fifties yes. sucked. Yeah. My dad might not agree. Who knows? He was a teenager in the 50s. Late 50s. But they still had to worry about, like, uh, the big one. Yes, they did. (laughs) Yes, they did. Yeah. So, um, neither the flight crew... The yoke was taking 10 pounds of pressure, yeah. Neither the flight crew nor company maintenance could determine the cause of the jam. Repeated attempts to overcome the jam with the primary and alternate trim systems were unsuccessful. Hmm. During this time, the flight crew had several discussions with the company dispatch dispatch, uh, about whether to divert to LAX or continue to FSO, which is San Francisco. Ultimately, the pilots chose to divert. Okay. To LAX? That's what it's sounding like. Okay. Uh, Later, the NTSB found that while the flight crew's decision to divert the flight to Los Angeles was prudent and appropriate, Alaska Airlines dispatch personnel appear to have attempted to influence the flight crew to continue to San Francisco. Oh, Instead of diverting to Los Angeles. I hope that didn't show up. They always do, just so you know. Um, my I, it, sister it has commented up. that he, she <laughs> it can does, it hear me. Yeah. yeah, whatever. <laughs> so the cockpit voice recorder, CVR, um, transcripts indicate that the dispatcher was concerned about the effect on the schedule or the flow. Oh, yeah. Should the flight divert. And I'm... I mean, that's a legitimate thing, but at the same time... Well... Do you want people to die mm, in, for the schedule? So the... It, I, it probably depends on how, you know, like I would think, yes, absolutely, err on the side of caution, but yeah. if these pilots were, or if the flight crew were being what they're supposed to be, which is calm under pressure, 
It may have been misinterpreted. And, and finding a solution to a problem. Yes, it may have been misinterpreted as, well, it must not be that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, or it was completely capitalistic, nefarious shit. Or all of the above. All I right, mean, who some knows? combination thereof, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is a legitimate concern to be like, if we don't need to fuck up the schedule, let's not fuck up the schedule. But I would think in, in air traffic, Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, or flight that you need to like, God, because the the potential consequences are so horrific. Well, I have a feeling we're going to get to the potential consequences. Uh, yeah, this consequences is one that's unfolding some... without yeah. us knowing. Uh, so, do we have a date context for this yet? I don't think so. Okay, but it said that the plane for it was built in ninety two. So this mm-hmm. is within the past thirty years. Mm-hmm. So this is slightly more I, yeah. Modern. I don't think she did give a date yet. Maybe that's coming. Yeah, she might in the end. Okay. We can always look it up if we need to. Um, so it's 1609, which is 409 in the afternoon. Well, this is um, past the time they're supposed to be at, L- at uh, FSO. It is. Yeah, that is correct. Because they were supposed to be at three something. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, the flight crew successfully unjammed the horizontal, st- oh, horizontal wow. stabilizer with the primary trim system. However, upon being freed, it quickly moved to an extreme nose-down position. Oh, no. Oh, no, so they unjammed it, but it just, like, fucking made It re-jammed into a different position. Oh, no. Forcing the aircraft into an almost vertical nosedive. Holy shit. Can I say, we've had a couple of those, and that's the worst. It's scary as fuck. That's the worst. Well, it's scary because you sign up for something like that if you're going on a roller coaster. Not if you're going on a fucking on a plane. So that's what initially makes it scary as fuck. Yes. The other thing, which is almost equally, I think, even probably more scary, these planes are not built to do nosedives. No. They're not. No, they're not. So the I unless they stabilize, the only option is imminent death, and that's yeah. Oh yeah. So and that's from it either that's from terrified. that's from it either hitting the ground or just breaking apart midair like one yeah. or, one or the other. Well, they start to spiral a lot of the times. Jesus Ugh. Christ, this is fuck this. I don't like this. No, the plane dropped from about thirty one thousand five hundred feet or ninety six hundred meters to between twenty three thousand and twenty four thousand feet in around eighty seconds. That doesn't sound like a lot. Well, I don't know. It's really I don't hard. Know. To- I mean, it's two miles and 80 seconds. Well, okay, she makes it the nosedive for 80 seconds. Yeah, obviously, fuck that. She says, no, thank you. Yeah. Both pilots struggled together to regain control of the aircraft, and only by pulling with 130 to 140 pounds on the controls to the Jesus Christ. So they're literally, like, their entire weight is having to go against, like, Mm -hmm. fucking G-forces. I don't know if that's a thing in this instance. If you're dropping from a, if you're dropping from a commercial aircraft at that speed, because you're, also, you're going fast when your nose, you're definitely feeling G-force. But they had to pull up against gravity. At the very least, they had to, with 130 pounds of force... Those guys must have been like that. fucking jacked to even, or just their adrenaline or is so it's, fucking. It's your, it's your adrenaline. It's the lifting a car off your yeah. child sort of. It's a, a thing. if I don't oh. do this, we all die. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we're doing this one way I or hope another. Somebody survives. In I, this. It's, I, don't like I hope so too, but I don't like any of it. Um, so, and only by pulling 130 to 140 pounds on the controls did the flight crew stop the thick 6,000 per feet. Per, Six thousand feet per minute, per minute. Okay. or eighteen hundred meters per minute descent of the aircraft, and stabilize the MD eighty three at approximately twenty four thousand four hundred feet. That's amazing. That or seventy four hundred meters. 
So now I'm kind of, I'm now really curious. Now we're getting lulled into a false sense of security. Well, Something's now, going on. Well, now I'm, I'm like, okay, like now can we land at LAX? <laughs> like, Fuckers. It, is it okay now? <laughs> can we please? <laughs> you know, but they, they might, they might be past LAX. This, I, who knows? I, yeah. I don't, I don't know where this is going. It's not going anywhere good. We know that. No. So Alaska 261 informed air traffic control of their control problems. Control problems. Yeah, that's putting it. Putting it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys just saw. <laughs> Talk about putting a bow on something. <laughs> but we just nosedived for about 11,000 feet. Had to basically tear all of our tendons and ligaments to. Oh, for sure. Restabilize yeah. this plane. So we're gonna call that concerns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so after the, after the flight crew stated their intention to land at LAX, ATC asked whether they wanted to process, uh, process, uh, I think she meant proceed, okay. wanted to proceed to a lower altitude in preparation for approach. The captain replied, quote, I need to get down to about 10, change my configuration, make sure I can control the jet, mm. and I'd like to do that out here over the bay, if I may, unquote. Oh, wow. So he's kind of like, you know what, guys? Just in case. Well, he's here's 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 what he's saying. This is the uh, in parentheses. Basically, he's yeah. saying he will stay above water in case he can't regain yep. control, at, so as to minimize yep. impact for those on the ground in case of a crash. That's you know, God. Sometimes, like people in positions like that, they're just the the ability to just be cold to hard look, reason to look past yourself. Yes. And yes. your passengers. And your job. Yes. Like like saying, look, my job is to get everybody here on the ground safe. But in case. Barring that. Like, if that's not possible, how can I minimize the eventual possibility mm-hmm. of tragedy? By landing in the ocean. Yeah. Which, that's, oh, Jesus Christ. That's that's amazing. And I'm guessing this is not a, uh, a miracle on the Hudson. Otherwise, mm. I'm sure we would have heard about this one. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean... Well, okay. I was going to say maybe it's a miracle said, but then again, as no, I'm reminded, not good. Bethany said not good at no. the beginning. It, so it's no. already not been good. So Nobody's she just, died yet. It was yet. very clear. This is not a miracle said. Yeah. Uh, so during, uh, okay, so later during the public hearings into the accident, the request by the pilot not to overfly populate areas was mm-hmm. mentioned. During this time, the flight crew considered and rejected any further attempts to correct the, the run, runaway trim. They descended mm-hmm. to a lower altitude and started to configure the aircraft for a landing at LAX. Okay. So we're at 1619. So at 1609 is when they get control of the plane. This so is 10, 10 minutes, minutes later. later. So in parentheses, for passengers, 10 minutes of horror at this point. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. The CVR recorded the sounds um, of at least four distinct thumps, followed 17 seconds later by an extremely loud noise, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. As the overstrained drag screw assembly failed completely oh, and the no. jack screw separated from the acme nut holding it in place wait so screws are now falling off the plane as a result the vertical stabilizer failed and the aircraft rapidly pitched over into a dive so uh, Jesus oh my god Christ. so it, first it was the horizontal now it's the vertical mm-hmm. oh my god the crippled plane had been given had been given a block altitude, and several aircraft in the vicinity had been alerted by ATC to maintain visual contact with the stricken jet. I'm guessing what a block altitude means is like you have free reign in this space. Yeah, we've alerted all don't aircraft. Yeah, to stay away, but also stay alert, and if you get a visual, stay right. on them. Right. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, 
I keep losing my place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which sentence of horror did I last yes, did, did I last come on? Uh, these aircraft immediately contacted the controller. One pilot radioed, quote, that plane has just started to do a big, huge plunge, unquote. Oh. Another reported, yes, sir, uh, I concur. He is uh, definitely in a nose down oh, position. Oh, so another nose dive. Descending quite rapidly, unquote. ATC, which is air traffic control, just in case, mm-hmm. then tried to contact the plane. The crew of SkyWest Airliner reported, quote, he's uh, definitely out of control, unquote. Mm-hmm. Side note, aside from being on the plane going out of control, I cannot imagine being in one of the planes witnessing that hot mess. That, stuff of, yeah, no shit. That is stuff of nightmares, yeah. No, that would be, because you're, well, I imagine it's probably like a, sort of like horrifying solidarity thing that you're like, well, okay, we'll keep, we will keep contact or like visual, uh, contact and let, let air traffic control know what's going on. But how do you even articulate that? Like, so I'm flying in a giant metal tin can defying gravity right now. And I'm watching what happens when there's a mechanical failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's got to make really a second, it's got to make a second guess about what the hell you're doing. Yeah. It's making me really fucking upset right now that I'm having, Having to watch this but i'm doing it because i know you need to hear about it and that's just ugh. and there has to be there has to be witness because there's going to be an investigation obviously mm-hmm. um so although the cvr mm-hmm. captured the co-pilot saying mayday mm-hmm. no radio communications mm-hmm. were received from the flight crew during the final event now we've heard about that where like the the radio was just turned to the wrong frequency mm-hmm. or the the various like uh, not mechanical per se, but just like miscommunications sort of things. Mm-hmm. And in the very end, what was it going to help them by saying mayday in a way that was hard? So uh, yeah. So the CVR transcript reveals the pilot. CVR, by the way, is the cockpit voice right, right. recorder. Just in case, mm-hmm. I, I know long-time yeah. listeners know what that is, but it's in good case, to just reaffirm. So the CVR transcript reveals the pilot's continuous attempts for the duration of the diver to regain control of the aircraft. So they were trying. Oh yeah. Poor guys. I doubt they were giving. I mean, what do you? What else are you gonna do? You, you well, you're gonna do whatever it's you your got. Duty to, to yeah. try to the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they did. Oh. At one point, unable to raise the nose, they attempted to fly the plane upside down. Well, you know what? In an effort to maintain control. They're just trying fucking anything. It was, however, far beyond recovery and descend and descended, inverted, and nose down. Inverted About eighteen thousand feet, or fifty-five hundred meters. In 81 seconds. Oh. Jesus Christ. 151 miles per hour, is that what that says? Yep. Uh, or 243 kilometers an hour. Is yeah. this into the ocean? Well, we're getting there. That's okay. that, that would be my guess. A few seconds before 1622 or 422, this is also Pacific Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Three full fucking minutes later. Yeah. In parentheses, flight 261 impacted the Pacific Ocean at high speed, oh, about oh, 14 miles offshore, between the coastal city of Port um, Hunim. Can I see it? Hunim, California. Can I see it right side up? In Anacapa Island. Huaneme? Sure. In Anacapa Island. Port Huaneme? Yeah, that works. Uh, Huaneme? Yes. <laughs> There's Huaneme? a bunch of people from California no, laughing right. hysterically at us. At this time, pilots from aircraft flying in the vicinity reported in with one SkyWest Airlines pilot saying, quote, and he's just hit the water, unquote. 
Another reported, ah, yes, sir, he, uh, he, uh, hit the water. He's down. Oh. Unquote. The aircraft was destroyed by the impact forces, and all occupants on board were killed by blunt force impact trauma. Jesus Mm. Christ. Oh, that's, uh, okay, well, we'll talk later. (laughs) Due to the extreme impact forces, only a few bodies were found intact, and none were visually identifiable. All passengers were identified using fingerprints, dental records, tattoos, personal items, and anthropological examination. So, uh, um, the, you know, we always say, like, when people die instantaneously, at least it's like, well, at least they didn't suffer, you know? These people suffered. Well, these people people mentally suffered, for sure. Because uh, they had to go through two nosedives. Yep. There was the initial nosedive, and then I'm guessing... At least some of them were like, okay, that was fucking terrifying, but at least now we're like back to normal. And then right back into another Ten one. Ten minutes later or whatever. Yes. Yeah. That's no good. And that's horrifying. And... <sighs> I wouldn't be surprised if some people died on the plane before it impacted. Like of a heart attack mm-hmm. or, or passed out at the very... Yeah. Like, actually, that's what you hope for. Yeah. You hope... If, I hope some people... Yeah, yeah, the passengers were just able to pass out and just not... Because I'm sure some people did, because we're talking... It's a lot of force. Extreme it's a lot of, gravitational yeah. force here. I mean, that's... Yeah, this is... None of this... This sucks. That's horrible. So clearly nobody survived. No. How many people total did we get a total? There was on board 40-something. Uh, three flight attendants, 47 passengers, and the two pilots. So 52, 52. people. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't a full flight. Right. Again, none of this is good. It's really hard to find any, like, well, this is not the worst thing. I mean, it is the worst thing for 52 people. Yeah, it could have been is... the worst thing for, like, 155 people. Because this, <clears throat> this is before 9-11 where... Most of the time, you'd is be that, on a... Are we sure? Uh, well, I don't know for Here, sure. Here, let me look up real quick just so we know what time Here is my thing, just before you do that. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is before 9-11 <clears throat> because it's not a full plane. Post 9-11... That's right, they did. Uh, pretty much every flight was full. 261, that's the first thing. Um, let me see. Oh, 88 on board. There were 83 passengers. Okay. Two pilots, three crab- cabin crew members, and 83 passengers. Maybe we misread in the Something. description of, yeah. of all that. Um, it was what January 31st, 2000. Okay. This was mm-hmm. just a year and, well, almost a year two years change. before. Yeah. 9-11. Yeah, before that, because I flew a lot when I lived in South Carolina, and I lived there from 96 to 2001. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I was flying, like the plane would be <clears throat> half full at best. Yeah. After 9-11, yeah, every plane was full. I wonder if this was one of the um, first worst crash- crashes of the 21st century. Well, it's got to be. It's January 31st. It's the first month, yes. yeah. So, the investigation. This is long and technical. Hi, Demetrius. And Demetrius is saying hello. So, as a summary, Alaska Airlines obtained approvals from the FAA to extend maintenance windows on the jack screw assembly, and those extensions meant that the part failed. <laughs> Wait, so what, 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 to say, like, we'd like to wait longer in between this crucial maintenance. I don't, what? I, I don't understand it. I, I, I just, mean, for, I, just don't. I, I understand for finance sake, like, less maintenance equals less money. 
So from a capitalist point of view, I get it. Well, that's, why the well, fuck did the FAA right, say that was okay? But that's why. I mean, that's why it's <laughs> so hard to understand. That's yeah. why it's so hard to comprehend. Yeah. Is, uh, well, it was only, what, 80? How many? 88 people. It was only 88 people. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You know, but that's, uh, but if you're the Jesus. fucking CEO of this company, that's how you're looking at it. They do have, like, yeah. actual money values on human lives. Yeah, they do. That's yeah, true, too. It's so. fucking sickening. Mm. <laughs> oh, and it's the system that runs the entire world. So let's keep on going with that. Who run the world? Capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> yes. So details. Using side-scan side sonar, remotely operated vehicles and a commercial fishing trawler, workers recovered about 85% of the fuselage, including the tail section, and a majority of the wing components. That's actually really it's impressive, pretty good considering that, that it almost crashed disintegrated. In the, in, in yeah. a crash in the ocean, too, and yeah. the waves, and the, like, yeah, that's... That's some good recovery That's pretty good. Work. That's probably about the best they were going to get. Yeah. In addition, both engines, as well as the flight data recorder and CVR, were retrieved. Yeah. All records recovered from the crash site was unloaded at the CB's Naval Construction Battalion Center in Port Huenemé. Huenemé is Huenemé. My... <laughs> That's California. my guess. We could be completely... We might be. Maybe it's Huneem. <laughs> it could be, but no, it's California, so it's probably Huenemé. Or Huenemé. I'm just going to go with that. It's more fun for a depressing episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, California for examination and documentation by the NTSB, the National Transportation and Safety Board, investigators. Both the horizontal stabilizer trim system jack screw, also referred to as uh, quote-unquote acme screw, and the corresponding acme nut, which the jack screw turns through, were found. Wow. That's amazing. The shit that they covered. The jack screw was constructed from case-hardened steel and is 22 inches or 56 centimeters long and 1.5 inches or 3.8 centimeters in diameter. So it's big. they found that in the ocean. The Acme nut was constructed from a softer copper alloy containing aluminum, nickel, and bronze. As the jack screw rotates, it moves up or down through the fixed Acme nut. And this linear motion moves the horizontal stabilizer for the okay. trim system. I don't know why I'm doing like hand, hand motions, motions where nobody, me, where nobody, where nobody can you. see me. I can see you. <laughs> so upon subsequent examination, the jack screw was found to have metallic filaments wrapped around it, which were later determined to be the remains of the acne nut thread. Yikes. That means oh, it just freaking like ripped out. Ripped is what through. It, yeah. yeah. It stripped it, mm-hmm. basically. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Later analysis estimated that 90% of the thread in the Acme nut had already worn away previous, previously. Oh, so it was a worn nut. And that had finally stripped out during the flight while en route to San Francisco. Oh Just imagine that, though. Like, a all of this could have been like, prevented. Nut. All for a nut. That's what she said. <laughs> I knew there was a punchline. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is too depressing. I to put... clarify, we are not mocking <laughs> the poor not. people who died. That is hideous. Yes. And the fact, well, because that's the thing. There is nothing more infuriating than it being like, you know, there's just this one little this one part that, yeah. that if they had just replaced, and it wasn't it even, it, and it wasn't even small. I mean, the it was almost. Well, I mean, it was 22 it inches, 22 inches long. So that's well, almost two feet. Was. Yeah. The screw was, but the nut would have been. Oh yeah. Corresponding yep. just to the diameter. Yep. So. Something I remember that... talking something this big. I know, again, hand motions, but mm-hmm. the, like a little disc. Yeah. Why it's does just... Demetrius want to get in here? I'm not sure. We fed him, right? We did. Oh. I did. Yes, you did. I'm a proud father. Yes, you're very good at taking care of your babies. <laughs> so, okay. 
Yes, later analysis estimated that 90% of the thread in the Acme nut had already been worn away. I oh. think I keep losing my place because it's not formatted the way I format something when I'm like writing it. You do it. it in giant <laughs> writing and like huge blocks of paragraphs. You do, you do kind of. You, well, it's because I know I'm going to lose my place. You that's have kind of angst and ham yes, formatting. That, that, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the reason I do it that way. Bethany just wrote it more narratively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the uh, the nut had uh, so the Acme nut had already worn away previously, and that it had finally stripped out during right. the flight while en route to San Francisco. That's horrifying. Once That's the horrifying. thread had failed, the horizontal horizontal stabilizer assembly was then subjected to aerodynamic forces yeah. that is that is not designed to withstand, leading to complete failure of the overstress stabilizer assembly. Yep. I'm trying to remember the flight. It, I think it was a Japanese flight where it was the stabilizer. That oh, went we've out. talked definitely talked about stabilizers mm-hmm. before. That's but been the a one. Key but component. I think it was a Japanese flight where they had. Was it JAL? S- we did the JAL. I think so. Where they had some control of it mm. for like what, like forty-five minutes, and then after it, it just they just couldn't. You know, all of this shit blends together. <clears throat> I know, I will especially say. plane crashes, because. Uh, yeah. So based on the time since the last inspection of the jack, jack screw assembly, the NTSB determined that the Acme nut thread had deteriorated at 0.012 inches per 1,000 flight hours. That doesn't sound like much. But over That's time... a lot. Much faster than expected than the expected wear of 0.0001 inches per 1,000 okay. flight. So that's a difference so it, of it one, two... it wore faster. It wore one, two, three... It wore out 100 times faster than it was supposed to. Wow. That's not good. No. And what? Well, I guess maybe we'll yes, find cause out. Yes, because 0.12, that's 10,000. Yes, that's, I yeah, know, that's like a thousand. I know, it's like decimals, yes. right? It's <laughs> yeah. not fun. That's 100 times, yeah. Over the course of the investigation, the NTSB considered a number of potential reasons for the substantial amount of deterioration of the nut thread on the jack screw assembly, including the substitution by Alaska Airlines, uh, in parentheses with the approval of the aircraft manufacturer McDonnell mm. Douglas, of Aeroshell 33 grease instead of the previously approved lubricant, Mobile Grease 28. What? So this was this comes down to like lubricants? Grease, I get. The use of Aeroshell 33 was found not to be a factor in this accident, but insufficient lubrication of the components oh. was also considered as a reason for the wear. Oh, yeah. Examination of the jack screw and Acme nut revealed that no effective lubrication was present on these components at the time of the accident. Ultimately, the lack of lubrication of the Acme nut thread and the resultant excessive wear were determined to be direct causes of the accident. Plus, yeah. if these, if this flight, and I'm guessing that this is a normal route for this flight. Yeah, that would make sense. You're going from hot air, tropical well, air, uh-huh. to Colder freezing air. cold. Mm-hmm. So that over time is just, just going to have a flex. Just stress. Yes, on the but whole plane. Just the fact that it's like, well, if you just lubed it up correctly... The fact that this is all including lubrication and nuts is very childish. It's very childish we could go there. that that we is we what have. it is, especially considering how horrifying the situation was. Yeah, this... That's just not fair. That people had to nosedive twice and then die, die. and be almost unidentifiable. Their bodies, like that, is so fucking unfair. When it literally comes down to shit like lubrication, lubrication and, and, and a nut. nut. 
The investigation then proceeded to examine why scheduled maintenance had failed to mm-hmm. adequately lubricate the jack screw assembly. Yep. In interviews with the Alaska Airlines mechanic at SFO who last performed the lubrication, Ooh. it was revealed that the task took about one hour, whereas the aircraft manufacturer estimated the task should take four hours. Hmm. This and other evidence suggested that to the NTSB that, quote, the, F- the SFO mechanic who was responsible for lubricating the jack screw assembly in September 1999 did not adequately adequately perform the task unquote so it was like four months before this mm-hmm. laboratory tests indicated that the excessive wear of jack screw assembly could not have accumulated in just the four-month period between the september 1999 mm-hmm. maintenance and the accident flight therefore the ntsb concluded that quote more than just the last lubrication was missed or inadequately performed oh so it wasn't just this one time it seems it, like it was a series happening. of it was a systemic issue mm-hmm. yeah Periodic maintenance inspection called an uh, quote-unquote end-play check was used to monitor wear on the jack screw assembly. So it's probably at their, yeah, I. it's probably at the, once they've done everything, mm-hmm. then they're going to double-check certain things. That's what that means to me. Uh, okay. Well, the, you're probably more familiar with the vernacular of that. The NTSB examined why the last end-play check on the accident aircraft in September 1997 did not uncover excessive wear. Hmm. The investigation found that Alaska Airlines had fabricated tools to be used in the end-play check that did not meet the manufacturer's requirements. Testing revealed that the non-standard tools, uh, quote-unquote restraining fixtures, used by Alaska Airlines could result in inaccurate measurements, and that it was possible that if accurate measurements had been obtained at the time of the last inspection, these measurements would have indicated the excessive wear and the need to replace the affected components. Okay, so... They're not using the right equipment. No, they're not. I, it's a complete break. We had we also we also had that on another plane episode. The guy was like, "Oh, I've got all these screws." Yes. Um, yeah, yes. This, this one will do. I know like, what you're talking yeah. about. That he so, eyeballed it. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't. It's the one where the guy almost flew out of the plane, the pilot, and they held they held on to him. Was it that one? Yeah, or was I think the ghost so. Plane. Uh, no, I think it was the one where the guy. I think it, that was one of also one of our miracle zones. You know, all of these start to blend together. <laughs> Well, all, all of these, these are plane crashes because they're all basically caused by like the same shit, like a mm. for the most part it seems like a faulty maintenance. Um, if anyone wants to read an interesting sort of like dramatic book, I listened to this recently. The author was B. A. Something, and I apologize, I don't remember their name. B. A. Baracus. <laughs> but the for any, what is that from? For any A Team fans out there. Okay. But the name of the novel is called The Dilemma, or The Dilemma. The Dilemma. Well, that's how they... The Dilemma. That's probably how they say it in Canada. You know, civilization, dilemma. (laughs) Um, And a a plane crash factors into it. I don't want to spoil too much, but a plane crash factors into it. So, anyway. It was was an interesting book. Oh, and pre-order um, Molly's song. Yes, Lee's book. I have yes. pre-ordered it. Yes, very for nice. For us, so we'll get it as soon as it comes out. Um, yes, by Lee Hutch. Our, uh, I've taken to calling him our author in residence. Yes. <laughs> author in all bad things residence. <laughs> Sorry, proceed. That's okay. Between 1985 and 1996, Alaska Airlines progressively increased the period in between both jack screw lubrication mm. and end play checks 
with the approval of the FAA. Right, you mentioned that. Since each lubrication or end play check subsequently not conducted had represented an opportunity to adequately lubricate the jack screw or detect excessive wear, the NTSB examined the justification of these extensions. In the case of extended lubrication intervals, the investigation could not determine what information, if any, was presented by Alaska Airlines to the FAA prior to 1996. Testimony from an FAA inspector regarding an extension granted in 1996 was that Alaska Airlines submitted documentation from McDonnell Douglas as justification for their extension. Okay, like okay. saying, like, this is how it's designed. It can it can withstand this, like, maybe? And that might have been a legitimate thing. I mean, we don't... I guess we'll find out, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, just like any part of technology, these planes are built... Um, when did she say... 92. This, 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 yes. So, you would think, hi, Demetrius, you would think, okay, more technology better put together than, than something put than something built in 1972. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so uh, that's a little suspicious that they're like, no, 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 you can, but there might have been a justification for it, just uh, we just don't know what it is yet, uh-huh. or even if there was one. So, N-play checks were conducted during a periodic comprehensive airframe overhaul process called a C-check. Testimony from the Director of Reliability and Maintenance Programs of Alaska Airlines was that a data analysis package based on the maintenance history of five sample aircraft was submitted to the FAA to justify the extended period between C-checks. Okay, so they they were presenting, like, here's why we think this is okay to Mm -hmm. wait. Yeah. Individual maintenance tasks, such as the end play check, were not separately considered in this extension. The NTSB found that Alaska Airlines' end play check interval extension should have been, but was not, supported by adequate technical data to demonstrate that the extension would not present a potential hazard. Mm. So, there we have the answer to that. So, basically, the NTSB was like, hey, FAA, you shouldn't have approved this, Mm -hmm. because you didn't have the right data that you were going off of, yeah. Special inspection conducted by the NTSB in April 2000 of Alaska Airlines uncovered widespread significant deficiencies that, quote, the FAA should have uncovered earlier, unquote. Mm. The investigation concluded that, quote, the FAA surveillance of Alaska Airlines had been deficient for at least several years. Wow. Unquote. The NTSB noted that in July 2001, an FAA panel determined that Alaska Airlines had corrected the previously identified deficiencies. However... Several factors led to the board to question, quote, the depth and effectiveness of Alaska Airlines' corrective actions, unquote, and, quote, the overall adequacy of Alaska Airlines' maintenance program, unquote. Hmm. Systemic problems, <clears throat> excuse me, systemic problems were identified by the, investig- in the, by the investigation in the FAA's oversight of maintenance programs, including adequate staffing, inadequate staffing, its approval process of maintenance interval extensions, and the aircraft certification requirements. The jack screw assembly was designed with two independent threads, each of which was strong enough to withstand the forces placed on it. Okay. Maintenance procedures such as lubrication and end play checks were to catch any excessive wear before it progressed to a point of failure of the system. Okay. The aircraft designers assumed, assumed, uh-huh. never assume because you know what that does. Makes nests out of you and me. That's right. That at least one set of threads would always be present to carry the loads placed on it. Therefore, the effects of catastrophic failure in this of this system were not considered, and no failsafe pre- provisions were needed. What? Like, no, just fucking no. What? 
Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, we don't need a failsafe. I mean, it's just... We don't a, need a backup plan. It's just a stabilizer. What do we need one of those for? And it's just a giant metal tube yeah. hanging 30,000 feet yeah. in the air. Carrying, you know, hundreds... What's the yeah. worst that could yeah. happen? Yeah, well, no we deal. found out now, didn't we? Jesus. I mean, and it's kind of... I think it's kind of shit like this. Why I don't really like flying anymore. <laughs> it's... You know it's true if you think about it too much. And it's scary. I know the odds of it happening are as good of the odds of winning the lottery. That's the... Still, yeah. how my luck has worked in my life, this would be the fucking lottery I would win. <laughs> uh, hey, so, you got me. I do. No, my luck has very much changed. <laughs> I'm talking about before I met you. So for this design component to be approved... Uh, quote unquote certified mm-hmm. by the FAA without any failsafe provision. Okay, yeah, a failure had to be considered quote unquote extremely improbable. Mm. Okay, okay. So let's looking for like how a... do you define how do you define extremely improbable with an aircraft? I would think that there would. Have I, I would to... think everything is in play. I would think there would have to be some sort of mathematical conclusion to that because otherwise you're talking about a, a subjective a concept or a subjective standard like uh, the the statistical chances are one in x billion or whatever true my thinking is extremely improbable is still probable Probable. you're right well possible it's still possible right it's not probable i don't know possible why you would take that chance on passenger aircraft no well yes if you want to take that chance in the military, you've kind of made that decision on your own. Again, you know what I mean? in a non-capitalist system, <laughs> the answer would be yes, it should be 0%, right? If at all possible. Um, or nearly impossible, right? But no, things are weighed against They are. Yes, we business. know. We absolutely know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So... Like we're not, we're not, we're literally not making that up. Businesses do calculate, oh, yes. especially these types of the businesses. The cost of human lives yes. has a price tag on it. Yes, yeah, it absolutely does. So this was defined as quote having a probability on the order of one by ten minus nine okay. or less each flight hour. Okay. Unquote. So that's that's a negative exponent. Neither of us are smart enough to. I, yeah, I don't like, even know what the fuck that. that means. You guys are smart. You can look it up and figure it out. We'll ELI five it later. <laughs> all I know is a. Uh, it's it's like all I know is the, the theory of you can't prove something that is a negative. No, that's that's or not that, applying or, here. Am I, yeah. It, basically, what what Bethany is saying is there was a mathematic probability formula applied to this, but it was and so just say small. It's extremely unlikely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So really, but it I'm not, was like. Yeah, but still. Yes. I, I just I don't understand I why you would take that chance anyway. I, I just I really don't. Especially if all it meant was that you just do more lubricate a screw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of I know. And instead of on their C checks, mm-hmm. instead of it taking an hour, it takes four hours. Right. Big fucking deal. Like you pay know? an extra thousand dollars every two months or whatever. Yeah, because it's not like they were doing to go these to almost zero percent. Right. Yeah. It's not the, like this to me so far in this. This does not seem like it's. Checking on it seems like routine maintenance, but the actual, okay, let's lubricate. It yes. seems like it's, okay, we do every this so often. once every six months or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It doesn't seem like it's something that happens every time that it lands. I agree. It sounds you know? like it's more... So if it's something periodic. you only do occasional, mm-hmm. because maintenance-wise, that's probably all it needs, mm-hmm. why not just get it right? Yeah. 
Like, I, I just... Well, money, 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 money. I know, but the, the industry I work in, not getting it right costs you money. Yes, and I'm sure that this <laughs> you know, cost yes, Alaskan they, Airlines they, a lot, too. They lost a plane. They had to deal with civil suits? Yes, oh, I'm it, sure. Yep. I'm sure the plane didn't cost, like, a couple grand. I'm right? sure this plane cost a couple million dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I, I, I don't get it. I just... I, I will never understand that line of thinking. Um, the accident showed that certain wire mechanisms could affect both sets of threads and that the wire might not be detected. That's the other thing, too. Yeah. The NTS... Well, it's so minimal. Right. Even if it was technically, like... We're talking about tiny little increments of measurements that mm-hmm. make all the difference. Yeah. So, yeah. The NTSB determined that the design of the, uh, quote, the horizontal stabilizer jack screw assembly did not account for the loss of the Acme nut threads as a catastrophic yeah. single point failure mode, unquote. They, they just That's the other thing, too. It. You are putting as something, quote, unquote, extremely improbable for something you've done a formula on. Yes. Which means, in this case, they missed this other formula and never did... They just missed this completely. But yeah. Th- this, you know, they didn't, they didn't take it, they didn't it into account. account for it, yeah. So that's the kind of shit that happens. Uh, uh, fuck, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, it's... You're getting angry. It's infuriating. Like, yeah. it really is. Um, in 2001, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, otherwise known as... NASA. Recognized the risk to its hardware, such as the space shuttle... <gasps> Oh my God! Did they? Were they Jesus, like? Jesus! We did Columbia. Yes, we did Columbia. That was, was it so this? fucking long ago. Was it this shit? I don't Keep remember. Reading. I honestly what, don't what remember. What did she say? So this is in 2001. So this is two years before Columbia yeah, so happens. That's right. Um. So the so NASA recognized the risk to its hardware, such as the space shuttle, Jesus. attendant upon use of similar jack screws. Oof. An engineering fix developed by engineers of NASA and United Space Alliance promises to make progressive failures easy to see and thus complete failures of a jack screw less likely. Okay, so they like that that actually like brought an issue to their attention mm-hmm. where f- catastrophic failure would indeed be it's horribly like, catastrophic. It's like yeah, I know your little planes like fly around on Earth, but we're going into outer space. <laughs> and coming back. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, well, ideally. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. So, in 1998, an Alaska Airlines mechanic named John Leotine, who worked in the Alaska Airlines Maintenance Center in Oakland, California, told the FAA that supervisors were approving records of maintenance that they were not allowed to approve, or that indicated work had been completed when, in fact, it had not. I I don't know how the fuck. Like, I just, I don't know. So, now we're talking, like, falsified records. Yes. People which, saying they did which you they get didn't. fucking fired immediately for. Which you can get immediately for. I like when I was at my last company, uh-huh. two people got fired for that shit. Really? On the fucking spot. Like they said so- that they did something that they didn't mm-hmm. do. Like, oh yeah, I checked that. Because those records for us are going to the FDA. Right. Those mm-hmm. records are permanent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every single fucking thing I put a signature on is somewhere in a file cabinet right. in mm-hmm. the FDA, mm-hmm. and it will always have my name on it. Like you're essentially testifying. That Fuck you did yes, that. that's exactly yeah. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. wow. I, I can't I just cannot fucking imagine. I, know. I, I, I really know. can't. And especially like to to know the potential consequences of you like just fucking that up. How carelessly little of just a the, shit the carelessness of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, there are certain people I've worked with that I don't give a shit about, but I I give a shit about my job and what I'm doing because well, what, what I what it, I am, you could harm other people. Yes, because what I'm doing, eventually when that makes it to market, people are ingesting what I'm making. Right. So, yes, I take that fucking seriously. Yeah, as you should. And I, and I hope everybody I work with does. And I'm yeah. I'm positive that I I don't get this at all. I know. Um. So Leotine began working with federal investigators by secretly audio recording oh. his supervisors. Oh, Jesus. Wow. And if it's coming from them, it's one. Oh my it's God. a culture of. Yes, that. that's exactly what it is. On December 22nd, 1998, federal authorities raided an Alaska Airlines property and oh seized God. maintenance records. In August 1999, Alaska Airlines put Leotine on paid leave. And in 2000, Leotine filed a libel uh, suit yep. against the airline. The crash of AS-261 became part of the federal investigation against Alaska Airlines because in 1997, Leotine had recommended that the jack screw and gimbal nut <gasps> of the accident of the accident aircraft be replaced. The exact aircraft. The exact aircraft. So somebody called it out and they did jack shit about it. Three years it. earlier. Wow. Yep. But had been overruled by another supervisor. Oh my god. In December 2001, federal prosecutors stated that they were not going to file criminal charges oh, against what? what? Against Alaska Airlines. Around that time, Alaska Airlines agreed to settle the libel suit by paying about $500,000. That's it? And as part of the settlement, Leotine resigned. What? Yeah, I know. That's just uh, uh, five and you know what? $500,000 is That's not, not a lot. nothing if the guy got fired yeah. and you're certainly not going to go to <clears throat> fucking retire off 500 grand. No, you're not. And he was... So, somebody literally said, hey, guys, this needs to be replaced because it could cause an accident. They said, I don't care. And then 88 people died. Yep. So, he pointed out what people, could call pe- cause 88 people to 88 die. 88 people suffered. Suffered and died. About yes. the most... Mm-hmm. Horrific situation in the end of life. I mean, yes. can you think of anything like more horrifying than this? You know what? I'm sure I could if I tried. Yeah. But then we're just varying degrees. But then of we're talking awful. about like horror movies and shit that's not yes. real. And, th- th- and it's this, all this just is, awful. This is fucking real. At some point, you reach peak saturation of awfulness, and it's all just the same. Yeah. This. Yeah. Wow. So conclusions. In addition to the probable cause, the NTSB found the following contributing factors. Alaska Airlines' extension of its lubrication interval for its McDonnell Douglas MD-80 horizontal stabilizer components and the FAA's approval of that extension, the last of which was based on McDonnell Douglas' extension of the recommended lubrication interval, increased the likelihood that a missed or inadequate lubrication would result in the near-complete deterioration of the jack screw assembly, Acme nut threads, and, therefore was a direct cause of the excessive wear and contributed to the Alaska Airlines Flight 261 accident. So Alaskan Airlines and the FAA were to blame, Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Alaska Airlines extended end-play check interval and the FAA's approval of that extension, which allowed the Acme nut threads to deteriorate to the point of failure without the opportunity for detection. Mm-hmm. The absence of the McDonnell Douglas MD-80 of a fail-safe mechanism yes. to prevent the catastrophic event. <laughs> oh, jeez. Of total Acme nut loss. During the course of the investigation, and later in its final report, the NTSB issued 24 safety recommendations covering maintenance, regulatory oversight, and aircraft design issues. More than half of these were directly related to jack screw lubrication and end play measurement. 
also included was a recommendation that pilots were to be instructed that in the event of a flight control system malfunction, they should not attempt corrective procedures beyond those specified in the checklist procedures. And in particular, in the event of a horizontal stabilizer trim control system malfunction, the primary and alternate trim motors should not be activated, and if unable to correct the problem through the checklist, they should land at the nearest suitable airport, which is exactly what he was trying to do. Yeah, so I get that they kind of came up with like, okay, now in the event that this happens in the future, here's the right response. But those pilots didn't have any of that information. No. They had no idea what was going going on. Presumably, I mean, they knew the end result, but they didn't know what was causing it. So yeah, and just the mm. and both experienced pilots. I mean, very yeah, yeah, and. One guy, the majority of his, the vast majority of his experience was on this type of aircraft. Yeah, so, yeah. So, an NTSB board member uh, named John J. Gogli's statement for the final report, which was concurred with by uh, the other three board, member, board members, he wrote, quote, This is a maintenance accident. Mm-hmm. Alaska Airlines maintenance and inspection of its horizontal stabilizer activation activation system was poorly conceived and woefully executed, mm. to fucking say the least. Uh, that that was me, not no, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was all of this. <laughs> yes. The failure was compounded by poor oversight, yes. Mm-hmm. Had any of the managers, mechanics, inspectors, supervisors, or FAA overseers. So there we go. Right there. Is everybody. He's just named five levels yes, of. That this got through. Mm-hmm. Whose job it was and to protect. And the one person who did speak up yeah, got, got, got fired, fired for it. Yeah. But again, you know, whose job it was to protect this mechanism, done their job uh, conscientiously, mm-hmm. this accident cannot happen. Mm-hmm. NTSB has made several specific maintenance recommendations, some already accomplished, that will, if followed, prevent the recurrence of this particular accident. Mm-hmm. But maintenance, poorly done, will find a way to bite somewhere else. The fucking absolute, wow, absolutely. What a, what a well-said statement there. Yeah. Um, maintenance done poorly will find a, a way, way to, to bite, bite somewhere, somewhere else. else. So it's just like meaning if you're not consciously thinking of this, something else is going to pop up. If and you are not, not correctly maintaining these aircraft, it's going to cause a problem somewhere. And so I think they were kind of speaking to the culture. Yes, I think that's exactly yeah. what he was speaking to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he he just named five levels. Yep. Mm-hmm. It got through all five. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh... culture of incompetence. Yeah. Well, I mean, we learned uh, that's what caused. Uh, the Challenger in Columbia yeah, mm-hmm. crashes. Mm-hmm. You would think NASA, it's like, no, they don't mm-hmm. bypass and dick around. Like, not, apparently they do. Even NASA mm-hmm. does too. When you're sending people to fucking outer space, they're not... What, what strikes me on this, and I'm sure this happens a lot, but that the NTSB is like fucking calling out the FAA on the carpet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. Sure, that they, I'm sure that they butt heads quite a bit. Yeah, that makes sense. So after the aftermath, Mm -hmm. so after the crash, Alaska Airlines management said that it hoped to handle the aftermath in a manner similar to that conducted by Swiss Air after the Swiss Air Flight 111 accident. Have Hmm. we covered that? Maybe. (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't think we've ever been to Switzerland. Well, but this is just Swiss Air. It could be in a different location, but. They wished to avoid the mistakes made by Transworld Airlines in the aftermath of the TWA Flight 800, which I believe is our lost episode. I think that's our last episode. I don't think so. I no? think we did that. Didn't oh my we? god, people, anyway. we don't remember anything. We'll, we'll stop commenting on what we may or may yeah. not have done. 
In other words, to provide timely information and compassion to the families of the victims. Okay. Yeah. The victims' families approved the construction of a memorial sundial designed by Santa Barbara artist James Bud Bottoms, which was placed at Port Huename on the California coast. The names of each of the victims are engraved on individual bronze plates mounted on the perimeter of the dial. Mm. The sundial casts a shadow on a memorial plaque at 1622 each January 31st. That's really cool. That's that's very thoughtful design. I mean, I'd rather have just landed. Well, yes, but... But... Because that's that's, not what happened. That's a very... um, That's a very nice design. Or a very thoughtful design, I should say. Captain Thompson and First Officer Tansky were both awarded the Airline Pilots Association gold medal for heroism because yeah, they I mean they really fucking, fucking did tried. whatever they did whatever they could do. Yeah. And on top of that, minimized further harm to civilians on the That's ground. That's right, by choosing to go over the water, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over the ocean. Well, not 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 minimized it, completely took it out of the picture. That's right. They could have yes. landed straight in a neighborhood mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. So this is the only time that the award has ever been given posthumously. Wait, what were they awarded? Uh, were awarded the Airline Pilots Associated Gold Medal for Heroism. Oh, okay, in recognition. For their actions during the emergency. Okay, gotcha. I thought I had read that, maybe not. Um, the Ted Thompson slash Bill Tansky Scholarship Fund was named in memory Aww. of the two pilots. Both McDonnell Douglas and Alaska Airlines eventually accepted liability for the crash. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. And all but one of the lawsuits brought by surviving family members were settled out of court okay. before going to trial. Candy, yeah. Candy, yeah, it is. Candy Hatcher of the Seattle Post Intelligencer said, quote, Many lost faith in Alaska Airlines, a homegrown company that had taken pride in its safety records and billed itself as a family airline. Unquote. Yeah. yeah. That's the other two. That's the other you thing, lose too. Your reputation. Yes, which cost you money. That's right. Lots of money. That's right. So do whatever you have to do to save lives and your reputation. <laughs> I mean, random accidents on planes happen. Yes. Like nobody's going to preventable accidents should not happen. Mm -hmm. Hence the word preventable. Yes. Uh, Steve Militich of the Seattle Times wrote that the western portion of Washington State, quote, had never before experienced such a loss from a plane crash. Mm. Unquote. Many residents of Seattle had been deeply affected by the disaster. As part of a memorial vigil in 2000, a column of light was beamed from the top Mm. of the Space Needle. Mm Okay. Students and faculty at the John Hay Elementary School in Queen Anne, Seattle, held a a memorial for four Hay students who were killed in the crash. Yeah, it's well, I mean, of course, it's a plane. And, you know, families are on vacation in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Mm -hmm. some of them brought their kids. Mm -hmm. In April 2001, John Hay Elementary dedicated the, quote, John Hay Pathway Garden, unquote, as a permanent memorial to the students and their families who were all killed on Flight 261. Mm -hmm. The City of Seattle Public Park Soundview Terrace was renovated in honor of the four Pearson and six uh, Clementson family members who were killed on board Flight 261 from the same Seattle neighborhood of Queen Anne. Mm. The park's playground was named Rachel's Playground in memory of six-year-old Rachel Pearson, who was on board the MD-83 and who was often seen playing at the park. Mm. Two victims were falsely named in paternity suits as the fathers of children in Guatemala in an attempt to gain insurance and settlement money. What? Oh, that's shitty. I mean, that shit happened after 9-11, too, which is, I mean, subsequent DNA testing proved these claims to be false. People are slime. Yes. Yes. These particular people. Yeah. (laughs) The crash had appeared in various advanced fee fraud, email scams, 
Oh, 419, email scams, in which a scammer uses the name of someone who died in the crash to lure unsuspecting victims into sending money to the scammer by claiming the crash victim left huge amounts of unclaimed funds in a foreign bank account. The names of Morris Thompson and Ronald and Joyce Lake were used in schemes unrelated to them, obviously because they had passed away. And they had nothing to do with this. No. Imagine that being your fucking... uh, I mean... That's how people know your name, is that it was used for a scam, yeah. That's shitty. As of December 2020, Flight 261 no longer exists, and Alaska Airlines no longer operates the Puerto Vallarta, San Francisco, Seattle, mm. Tacoma route. Alaska Airlines now flies from Puerto Vallarta to Seattle, Tacoma nonstop, okay. with Flight 203 and Puerto Vallarta uh, to San Francisco nonstop, with Flight 373. Mm. The airline retired the last of its MD-80s in 2008 and now uses Boeing 737s mm. for these routes. Didn't... It wasn't the seventh, but Boeing had a Boeing's problem with, a, a, problem with, with yeah. a with a particular model plane. Mm-hmm. As of January 2021, Alaska Airlines is on the list of top safest airlines hmm. in the world. I fucking hope so. Like I, I hope this made them clean up their act. Yeah. Uh, a list that has been consistently, a list that has been on consistently since at least 2016. So, mm-hmm. so it sounds like 15 years later, they cleaned up. Their somebody act. learned their lesson. Uh, sources were Wikipedia, Alaska Airlines Flight 261, Seattle Times, and com. The pictures? We do have pictures. Okay, oh, the flight path. So this is, this looks like where the flight went down. Yeah, Because it's over, because there's it. LAX LA, yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. So it look, I wonder what this is. That's, that's the little island, remember, Bethany? Oh, that's right, that's right. I forget the name of yep. it, but not when in May, but. So. Yeah. Jesus. So this is probably where it did its initial nosedive, right here. Mm-hmm. I can't really read it. It's kind of in weird uh, it's, font. It really wants to pitch down. We got it back yes. under control. We've yep. lost vertical. So, this yep. was the... That's the first mm-hmm. nosedive. Yep, and that was the second. Smooth sailing, another problem, and then... Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's see what else. I'm not sure if I want to look through these. Oh, this is the horizontal stabilizer. Yep. Okay, that's... The, yes. tail. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the little rudder twin switch. Yes. Okay. Thingy sticking out of the tail. Mm-hmm. That's a technical term. <laughs> that that is the technical yeah. term. That's, oh, this that, is the fucking the, screw. The, the screw. That's the a fucking. Screw. That's a it giant ass screw. screw. That's what she said. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, oh, that must that be the must maintenance be it. of yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The plane. I'm not sure if I've ever flown on one of the a long. Yeah, I don't like think I've ever. Skinny. Yeah, I don't think I've ever flown on a plane like that. Mm. Um, not some of the testing. Maybe? Yes, it must be. They're probably testing the threading. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it does look like that. Yep. Horizontal stabilizer oh, this part. Is the whole reco- this is the, yes. Oh, this is the recovered. Yes, that's, that's what the we're looking screw. at. Okay. How the fuck? I mean, I know how they found it. Talk and... about a needle in a fucking haystack. Holy shit. It's like a 22-inch hey screw in the ocean. Can you find a 22-inch screw in the ocean? Which one? Now, it may the, have been, the, the Pacific? It may have still been connected to It might have been, so but still. And, and I know, the, I'm with you. It's pretty and the amazing. Re- the recovery was pretty impressive, too, considering this this landed in the ocean. I agree. Um, oh, the possible, possible factors. factors yep. The stabilizer. Yeah. Who's this dude? Who's that on the... Uh, I don't know. There's a person's face it on looks the like, It looks like Bob Ross. <laughs> The Bob painter. Bob Ross meets Bob Marley a little bit. <laughs> yes. Bob Marley Ross. 
Hey, I'd fly on a plane that had Bob Ross's face on it. I'd be like, that's pretty cool. I'd be like, yeah, the this memorial. makes me that's feel better. That's memorial. really cool. Yeah, the sundial. It's a huge sundial. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice thought. It's a nice tribute. It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, and then that. the threading. Mm-hmm. Oh, look Stripped. at the strips. Yes, it, it's dude. It's, it's gone. Bare. It's gone. It's it's now just a piece of metal. A cylinder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No threads at all. Wow. Damn. Well, well done, Bethany. That you were right that it's not good. No, <laughs> that was not good. Alaska Airlines flight two sixty one, not good. <laughs> you are you are correct, and thank you, Ash, for the suggestion as well. Wow, that was thoroughly depressing. Yeah, that was not fun. Like I'm like more pissed off about it than anything. I know. Like it's just yeah. I I don't understand. I, I just don't understand. I'll never understand. You know what I'm thinking? Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Just like anything. <laughs> that was really fucking depressing. But well done, Bethany. Yes, very well I, I always feel bad when I'm like, that was horrible. But you did a good job. <laughs> yes. That was horrible. Thanks, Bethany. You know what? I will say thank you for making us not have to research that. We yes. just had to deal with it for like an hour and not hours of research. Yes. So that's very helpful. Yes, so. it is. Wow. All right. Well, that was the horrifyingly depressing and terrible uh, story of Alaska Airlines Flight 261. As Bethany said, not good. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week.